I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, but you can call me Mr. Larry McPherson. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. <laughs> Ooh, cigarette burn. Cigarette, cigarette burn. Acting. I mean, I feel like I've, because I've obviously have heard our opening, our intro yes. so many times now that finally seeing that line played out again i was like it it's like oh yeah i i think i've always pictured it differently or i've pictured how i would do it if i was lip syncing that monologue so it was like surreal to remember oh this is how Alice and Janney did it yeah she i what kind of cigarette does she smoke they almost look like long clove cigarettes but i know they're not they're like brown yeah. i don't know what they are i had the same thought it was like it's clove she didn't seem like a clove cigarette smoker but i agree mm-hmm. it was these like little is this what you'd call a cigarello <laughs> yeah something like that because there's like the 80s and then like the 100s are the longer ones right the like the the longer of the two cigarettes yeah uh, I don't, I mean, I... Cigarette acting at its finest. Cigarette acting at its finest. I mean, I feel like cigarette acting is sort of like a cornerstone of Best Supporting Actresses. I mean... Yeah, it's like top three of, of at least my favorite traits or props, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it wasn't until towards the end of I, Tanya where I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, of course. I was getting the like <laughs> Melissa Leo energy from yes. Janney. Yes, yes. Yes, and without like know, the accent. Yeah, without the accent or with her own kind of variation. But it was mostly, you know, Alice and Janney. Um, but it was, uh, I, it made me think about it as well, like Frances McDormand. I don't know if she smokes in Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, but she looks like a character who smokes. And I thought this was, this was the year of like grizzled women winning Oscars. Yeah, I have not seen Three Billboards yet, and I know I need to. I, I know like the the reviews themselves are kind of mixed around the movie, but I, I I've also heard like really great things, and I'm really interested in Sam Rockwell. Like ever since Fosse Verdon, mm-hmm. um, he's he's really. I mean, obviously he's uh, he's an Oscar winner now, but uh, I really like him as an actor, and I think it's safe to like him as a person, right? Why do I feel like he's in that category of like, he did something wrong? I don't know. I, I don't I know. I always hesitate I know. with actors nowadays. I'm like, should I say that? I yeah, don't. I know. Am I going to get canceled for this? Um, yes. I will definitely say that I did see three billboards. I'm so musical theater. Three billboards. Um, I have three billboards <laughs> rehearsal. Billboards. <laughs> yeah. Three billboards rehearsal. I was billboard number two. So, yeah, exactly. You know. I was a swing for the first billboard. Yeah. But... Um, I, you know, I don't normally notice men, obviously, at least as uh, in acting performances, but Sam Rockwell is phenomenal in that movie. Like, awesome. He definitely earned the Oscar. So I recommend it. it it's a little violent at points. Uh, Frances mm-hmm. McDormand is great. 
Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's worth checking out, putting on the list as, as one would say. Yeah. Put it on the list. Yeah. Well, today, of course, we are not here to talk about billboards, but we are here to talk about two other fellow nominees of the same year. Uh, We're here to talk about Oscar moms, best supporting Oscar moms. Ugh. Um, So these were two movies that both came out in 2017, I, Tanya, and Lady Bird. Uh, Mm -hmm. Lady Bird, both of them were nominated for best actress. Uh, I, Tanya was not nominated for best picture, but Lady Bird was. They, They kind of... There was a lot about these two movies that I think was very similar and mm-hmm. was interesting to kind of watch as a pair this week. But the thing they have most in common are these Oscar moms, are the mm. the front runners for Best Supporting Actress, Allison Janney and Laurie Metcalf. Uh, how how dare the Academy pit these women against each other? Like it's like for gay men everywhere. It's yeah. just such a conundrum because. They're both stellar and both different. I, I, I mean, and that's obviously why we're here today, too. But um, gosh, because as I was watching Lady Bird, I watched Lady Bird first. So and I, I think I watched when I first watched these two movies, I think I watched Lady Bird first. And I was like, Laurie Metcalf, Laurie Metcalf. I was just <laughs> uh, so wrapped up in her and her performance and the film. Like, I love Lady Bird, the movie. Same. It is such a warm hug of a movie and just like quirky and funny and Beanie Feldstein and just like everything that happens um, with like female friendship and like, uh, and is it Lucas Hedges? Is that the guy? Mm -hmm. I like him a lot. And there was, Mm -hmm. I think it was on an episode of Las Culturistas recently where they were comparing Timothy Chalamet versus Lucas Hedges Mm. and like why, and just like the similarities and differences because they're both on like similar trajectories. They both are like, I feel Timothy Chalamet is more of an it boy right now than Lucas Hedges, but Lucas Hedges has an Oscar nomination for um, Manchester by the Sea. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, Oscar nominee already. So uh, he's got, it was Timothy Chalamet, he was not nominated for anything yet. He's just been in a lot of Oscar-y, oh no, he was nominated for Call Me By. Oh, was he? Yeah. Yes. I mean, let me just go on the record six minutes in to say I hate that movie. (laughs) I hate that movie. I uh, You can hear all my thoughts on the very second episode of In the Details, Call Me By yes. Your Dad's Name, because I hate that movie. Oh, but the dad is great. But the dad, the dad is the, the best part of that movie. That, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I could, yeah. Did you, is that what the episode was about, That the monologue with the dad? So eventually that's, yeah. I mean, I, I think I railed on it for a while because I really think that Call Me By Your Name is just like... It's like this is so predatory, and we're romanticizing this, and uh, sure. and, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, this movie's done, and I'm going to tell it why it's done. I was just going to say, yeah, there we go. You <laughs> but got there. It's beautifully filmed and yeah. well acted, and like at the end of the movie, we get an amazing monologue from the father, and at the end, we do get a face journey. So like, yes, that fire face journey. Yeah. yeah. So it has a lot of the ingredients I like, but then it's got mayonnaise and olives, and you know, we're, we're right back to that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you meant literally, and I was like, "Where were the where was names? that?" Yeah, <laughs> that's good though. I like that phrase. Yeah. Uh, um, but back to I started talking about Lady Bird, but then I, you know, you switch gears, and I I, I watched them on different days too, so I was in different moods, and I watched them at different times of day, and I mm. watched I Tanya, and uh, I mean, it's also too, it's like Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie is so great, oh. and part of me. 
in some alternate universe was like, what if Amy Adams played this role? I had the same thought. Yes. Oh my I was God. Like, yes. Because she looks a little bit more like Tanya Harding, that little like button nose yep. sort of thing. Yep. When they were doing, when they showed the the real interview with Tanya at the end, talking about how she's going to kick Nancy's butt, I was like, "Oh yes. my God, Amy Adams could do this!" Oh yeah, yeah. I I I would have loved to have seen that. Um, although at the same time, I really liked Margot Robbie. I, I think that like I was I was really really content with everything she did, and I kind of. You kind of just forgive the fact that she doesn't really look like her, um, which most of the time with, you know, when I watched Judy, it's like all I could think of was like how Renee sometimes looked like her Mm -hmm. and sometimes didn't. But I didn't mind with Margot Robbie. And that's like that's like another conversation for another time. But uh, yeah, but Lavana, first of all, the name Lavana is just I mean, sign me up. Right. Right. It's so great. But like she is. A terrible person, a terrible mother, but you get, I think the difference, and I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, what's the word? I might've been saving this for later, but I think like the real difference between Laurie Metcalf's performances or performance and Allison Janney is like the nuance, these little moments that we're getting because she is such a vile person and a terrible mother that like when she almost cares or even that one scene at the end when she has that little like walkie <laughs> I called it a walkie talkie but it looks like a walkie talkie <laughs> right. yeah the tape recorder um, yeah when she says I meant everything that I said it's like did she yeah uh, it's so I, I'm, I'm jumping way ahead but those are just my opening thoughts of just uh how I watched the movie when I, I've only seen both of these movies twice I mm-hmm. watched Lady Bird and when they came out and I loved them and then I just like set them on a shelf and I revisited them. So how many times have you seen each? What's your journey with these uh, movies? Very similar. And like a lot of what you said is uh, in terms of opening statements are similar to mine, too. So I think uh, and it is a lot of I think what we're going to talk about today is like those kind of the emotional response to Lavana versus uh, Marion, uh, played by Laurie Metcalf, uh, that I so I saw this is probably my second time seeing Lady Bird. So say, I'm sorry. This is probably my second time seeing I, Tanya. Like it's my first time on the Snatch yeah, Game. Yeah, it's not my first time on the Snatch Game. It's my first time on the game show. Um, <laughs> it's my Morgan McMichaels. Um, yeah. uh, so I, this is my second time seeing I, Tanya, And maybe my third time seeing Lady Bird. Or at least maybe my second time seeing it in full. Because I know I watched Lady Bird. At least the steering wheel acting uh, face journey oh, yeah. of Laurie Metcalf a number of times because that was in my first episode of In the Details. So Ooh, that was one okay. of my five essential face journeys was Laurie Metcalf in the car. Oh. Um, so I like studied that part of the movie, but it was, I think, probably my second time watching it fully all the way through. And there's so much about, especially Lady Bird, that I like just so deeply connect with. I lived in Sacramento for a year and a half uh, at a very yes. Oh, yes. pivotal yes. time. So there's so much about Sacramento that this brought up for me. Um, I graduated high school in 2003 at the same time Lady Bird does. I went to Catholic school. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, otherwise, you know, I guess that's where the similarities stop. But uh, enough similarities. Uh, you know, I, I really like... Watching it again, you know, it's funny kind of comparing the emotional state of watching Lady Bird versus I, Tanya, because watching Lady Bird again, I agree, it felt like this warm hug. I felt like I got this really nice sense of resolution and this feel-good quality. I feel like BB, a sense of resolution. <laughs> a sense of calm, a sense of re- resolution. Um, <laughs> but, um, 
versus I, Tanya left me kind of like unsettled in a way and like mm. unresolved and um and and yet both of them I don't know like both of them were really impactful experiences and I think the thing I took away that was very similar was that sort of longing for the mother to warm up longing for the mother daughter connection to happen and yeah it's interesting in each of these movies how it does and does not happen and um isn't fully resolved in really either movie. Yeah. I think my lack of a resolution, like you were saying with, uh, I Tanya is that like, you feel this sort of guilt, even though we were both like young when this happened, but like how many times have I said probably like in the last two years, like, Oh, you're going to Tanya Harding me or something like that. Like it is still, um, and like a verb that we still use mm-hmm. to this day. And I just like, I, I picture, I was like, is she still like, I just picture Cause Margot Robbie's just sitting in this kitchen the whole time. And like, is that what Tanya Harding's still doing? Like I wanted to follow up. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that she was okay. I wanted to take on that mother role just to like, just to give her, because she says it so many times that she just wants to be loved. Yeah. And it's so sad. Yeah. And there's so much abuse. And like, as far as just like the, there's there's a level of humor within the abuse too that works even though uh, like abuse is not funny at all it's just like these little like one-liners but like can i say something about nancy kerrigan Mm -hmm. like she got hit one time but i got hit my entire life i'm paraphrasing what she said too but it's like yeah tanya harding has had by far the more difficult life and the bigger challenge getting to where she got uh she had to like claw tooth and nail to get where she was along with an abusive mother and growing up poor and not having the right costumes and nancy kerrigan just like floats in there as like america's princess and Mm -hmm. gets that silver i love that moment too there's so much it's like i want to really talk about margot robbie but i know like it's not off limits but it's uh i want to focus on allison more yeah, I mean, as Lavana, but yeah, I mean, we can, you know, there's no, you know, there are, there's no rules of the best supporting podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's like a Montessori podcast. It's learn through play. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think um, there's, there's something. I mean, if, if we're gonna kind of think about the comparisons or the similarities in these movies, yeah, obviously, Lady Bird, Christine, Lady Bird Johnson isn't real. Not, is it not Johnson? It's. Uh, McPherson, McPherson, excuse me. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of Lady Bird Johnson, the first yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> but there is something, like, looking at these two kind of, like, flawed, you know, main characters, and I think both of them are kind of navigating in their younger years a, a version of, like, misaligned motherhood. Obviously, in Lady Bird, it's a lot more benign and just a lot more, like, you know, Marion is really kind of working through her own dysfunctions and overprotectiveness as a mother, whereas Lavana mm-hmm. is just, like, downright vile and abusive. But yeah. um, I think there's there's that sense with Lady Bird, obviously, that by the end, everyone has kind of transcended that and has kind of arrived at, like, has grown up out of that. Whereas in Itania... I think it's like the there is no growing out of it. Like I feel like if anything, all of this abuse and all of this scandal happened, and like Tanya Harding was left footing the bill, you know. Yeah. And I mean, you think about how, you know, she basically and she she kind of meant, talks about this in that amazing courtroom scene where like she's given a life mm-hmm. sentence for this, and the guys who committed the crime got eighteen months in jail. 
and her husband yes. got like you know eight months in jail and was released early and then went back to a normal life but she was banned from skating you know had, had to put fifty thousand dollars towards the special olympics did the pub, you know community service mm-hmm. you know became obviously like a, a public pariah uh, eventually had to become a lady boxer, you know, because it was like, well, yeah, people want to see me get beat up, you know, and so I'll take the love where I can get it. And it really, um, I don't know, there, there's a, it's such a tragic story, but like, to your point, I, I have an equal amount of sympathy for both Lady Bird and Tanya Harding by the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Going back to Lady Bird for a second, too, it's like, I love, you don't really see this with Lavana, but I, I think one of the, the best parts are like, I'm, I just think it's such a great screenplay, too. Mm. I think that like, uh, and I mean, it's only a matter of time before, um, oh, why am I blanking on her name? This is just like so perfect that I can't remember her name, who directed the movie and Little Women. Oh, Greg Gerwig. Greta Gerwig, Jesus. I was just literally going to say how she keeps getting forgotten. <laughs> I couldn't remember her right. name. It's all right. Keep it in. Sure. It's okay. I'm only human here. But I, I do, I do, I think that she is, she's destined to win an Oscar eventually. It'll happen. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that she hasn't been nominated for director. I think she's only been nominated for screenplay. Yes. Question mark for Little Women or adapted screenplay. Maybe I'm making up facts, but that's okay. Um, I, I think that we get to see um, Marion is her name in the movie. We get to see her at work. We get to see her give that the other nurse that onesie. And we get to see her just outside of the house being kind and being that woman who, you know, she's like, oh, I made an extra dozen of cookies here. I brought them into work. And so she's not, I mean, compared to Lavana too, but like she's not a monster. And like her motivations for... I'm I'm interested in maybe to open up this conversation. It's like, her, what are her motivations for being so hard on Lady Bird? Is it just is it just that she wants the best for her? Mm. Is there more to it? Is it just because like because I I know couples like this like I know couples I know like fathers and sons I know fathers and daughters. It's just like that's how they operate too. It's mm-hmm. like that thrift store scene is the perfect example of that. They're just like bickering and bickering, and then they find something that dress and they're like oh my god yes 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 and they're both excited and they both kind of forget about it it's just part of their daily routine as well too and sometimes it it kind of crescendos into this like shitstorm too depending on the moods and like what happened that day too but um but it doesn't get resolved i think that's like yeah and i think that that's what's so interesting is like they never in ladybird and maybe we'll like we'll we'll just kind of veer into ladybird territory um and start with yeah, that let's do it. um and so just uh to to fact check us so she did get nominated for best achievement in directing for ladybird oh no way yeah um, oh my gosh and Great. screenplay but then was nominated for just best adapted screenplay for little women whereas i feel like to me so much of what was amazing about little women was the direction like it just yeah it, it's i mean yeah, it's some, you know, Greta Gerwig, uh, I, uh, it, to kind of move into Lady Bird, you know, Lady Bird Lane here, um, mm-hmm. it's obviously very much a personal movie for her. I mean, I think that's also what's interesting about these two movies is, well, obviously, I, Tanya is written and directed not by Tanya Harding. Um, yeah. They've consulted, they, you know, they interviewed Tanya Harding, they interviewed uh, Jeff Galuli, and so there is a sense of getting the uh, the actual people's point of view into the movie. Um, but in Lady Bird, it's very much based on Greta Gerwig, you know, growing up in Sacramento and 
mm-hmm. she said that she was nothing like Lady Bird herself. She wasn't rebellious. She was much more straight laced. Um, but you know, her mother was named Christine. Her mother was a nurse. Uh... So there's certainly qualities. Um, and I mean, the fact that it is in a weird way, in a weird kind of teen angsty way, a bit of a love letter to Sacramento, which no one's writing love letters to Sacramento. Yeah, I'm so interested. It's like, I feel like from what I know about hearing your story just on All Right, Mary, and um, and just kind of knowing you too, that what's, what is your, what current, like today, looking back on your time in Sacramento, and maybe I guess while you were there, like what... What was your life like? What was your day-to-day? Did you move there for a job or did you just move there? So I just moved there. So what happened with Sacramento is it, towards the end of 2015. So 2015 was kind of a um, a bit of a tumultuous year. I, it was like so, that so much should happen. So much. I, mm-hmm. I just that was kind of the year my life kind of broke open and I made big changes and made big decisions. And one of the big decisions was like. I have to get out of New York. I can't live here anymore. Sure. It's just driving me insane. And I was like, I don't even know where to go. And so I, my brother and my sister-in-law live like, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes outside of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, not terribly far from where Lady Bird's rich friend lives in Granite Bay. Um, yes. And, Ooh, that house oh, is beautiful. that house. I mean, uh, my, my brother and sister-in-law live in like, there's so much just like and you even see it in the movie so much open land around sacramento Mm -hmm. where they're just building new communities and new little towns and so they live in you know a development that has just turned into a whole new town there's like a town center that had been built um that you know it it's sort of like a glorified strip mall but it has everything it has a movie theater target restaurants you know other kind of stores i think they started building apartments in that town center but it's it's all very much a, a fabricated suburbia built out of just rolling hills. And mm. so I, that was all I knew of Sacramento. I think I maybe had been there. I don't even think I had been there before I made the decision to go there. I don't remember, but I, I like went to visit once. And I think if my memory serves me, it was, I may have just been going to like, drop off Marco um, and then like oh. come back and like so I, yeah. I dropped him off for like a month there and then came back to like pack up my stuff and leave and like oh my god oh how I cried the day I dropped him off like left I was just gonna say oh, yeah it was like and I was like oh. struggling to not cry and I'm like in the car with my brother and I'm like I just I'm sorry I need to just and uh, I can't <laughs> even talk about it I was it was like yeah. so hard and so um, I basically was like I just I I need to go somewhere and this seems like as good a place as any. And mm-hmm. so I moved there at the very end of 2015 and I stayed with my, with my brother for probably like a month and a half. And then I got an apartment down. There's like downtown Sacramento and midtown, but kind of one just moves into the other. Uh, midtown is actually, it, it's a really, it's a nice, I mean, Sacramento is not a dump. Sure. It's a city that's definitely going through like a 2.0 and there's a lot sure. in their downtown area that they've kind of been building up. And I think there's a lot about it that is nice. And the Midtown area was kind of, in some ways, was everything I wanted. It was like a mix of, like, urban and suburban. It was lots of tree-lined streets, but also, like, some of the streets were, like, com- you know, had lots of restaurants and stores. It was very bikeable. There was a, a decent enough kind of, like, light rail train. Um, you know, it was... It was not a bad place to live. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that really struck me with Sacramento was like, you know, I moved there 
without a job, without any friends in Sacramento, you know, without really any idea of, I mean, I had some like plans of things I was going to do on my own, but like I was pretty lost at the time. And so honestly, like once the newness of like being there in the new apartment and like discovering new takeout places, like things like that kind of faded, I felt very lost in Sacramento. I didn't really have any friends and I didn't know how to make friends. And it was a very kind of, it was a kind of place where like, you know, people kind of stuck with the people that they knew and people who live in Sacramento tended to grow up in Sacramento or that area and had like established social circles. And I just like, it was probably a mix of that and a mix of me just being kind of like, I don't even know who I am right now that I just never really made any connections there. And so kind of ladybird feeling very lost in Sacramento. I was like, well, I know that feeling. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so I was there for a year and a half and, um, you know, I mean, I eventually I got a job, but I was like working from home. So I never really had a reason to connect with people. Um, and then it was at some point probably in like, early 2017 that I just had this like realization and it's so it is so pretentious my I was I'll (laughs) I'll spare us the details of where I was and what the situation was but it was um I I I, know I did eventually I I met some people along the way I you know Mm -hmm. met some gentlemen along the way and it was like one guy that I met and you know we hung out a few times and I um kind of realizing that that was just like, I was like, what am I doing with this guy? Like, this is ridiculous. And like, mm-hmm. I don't want any of this. And, and then it was like, I was thinking about, you know, how much I missed going to see Broadway shows with my two friends here who I tend to see shows with. And I was like, that's, those are my people. That's the stuff I want to do. I miss that. I wish I could be doing that again. And I was like, well, you can, you don't need to be here. There's no reason you need to be in Sacramento you can leave. My apartment was a month to month rental. Like nothing was keeping me in Sacramento. And so that was like March of 2017. And by June 1st, I was back in New York. Wow. Yeah. I just was like, fuck it. I'm out of here. And I went to yeah. New York just like Ladybird at the end of Ladybird. So Ooh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So and that's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead, no. Go so ahead. it's just like that so many elements of this movie. I guess I was like, yeah, I get this journey. I totally understand this feeling. Yeah. I was thinking of you the whole time, too, because I know obviously the Sacramento to New York sort of journey, too. But it, it feels I would imagine. Here's a fun fact about myself that I've never lived by myself in any space. Every single spot or any single like apartment that I've ever lived in. And I've lived like a lot of places. I've always had at least one roommate. So wow. yeah, I, it was sort of, I mean, now it's not on my bucket list cause I have Keon and mm-hmm. we're, we're together for life. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, uh, I always wonder what, how I would be in that situation. I don't think it would go well because mm. at least at first, especially like in a new city, uh, because it, it's, it's, I mean, this is stuff that like people you you just said too. It's like, once you're out of college, really, it's just hard to make new friends unless you're like at work or unless you want to, you know, join, I don't know, some kind of, ugh, I shudder at the word meetup because they're terrible. <gasps> I've don't got stories about that girl. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I uh, depressing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Meeting up at some coffee shop, and then you see the people you're meeting up with, and you're like, "Oh, yeah." Is it too late to run away? Oh my god! Uh, yeah, I I did a few of those when I came back to New York, and it was, it was just I like 
the, the briefest of stories is there was some like gay Brooklyn meetup at like a bar and I went and it was like so crowded and I was like, oh my God, I'll just, I went to the bar and I like got a drink and then I got another drink and I just sat there, basically I had my back to everybody. I think I eventually started talking to someone who I knew from like the gay volleyball league a number of years ago. And then I was like, oh, I just have to get out of here. And I like left and like called my mother and I was like, this is so pathetic. The headline in the newspaper will say like, gay man tries to make friends, leaves and calls his mother. This is so tragic. <laughs> That's like an Onion article or something like that. <laughs> Honestly, like write that. Yes. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, I, calls his mother. Yeah, calls his mother. And so, yeah, meetups are, um, man, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but just going back to Sacramento, it's like, it reminds me so much, like I grew up in Pittsburgh, um, I grew up in the burbs of, of, of Pittsburgh and there was always that part of me that like, even when I was in college, I think I started feeling it more in college because I, I don't mind the suburbs now. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of coming around full circle. Like I love being in where I am now in Pittsburgh. Cause we're kind of in Pittsburgh proper, like near the city. But I mean, I don't mind the idea of having like a house with a yard and like, you know, a target five minutes away. It's, it's mm-hmm. interesting because I never thought I would, but now it's just like it's just part of getting older too, and part of settling down. And Keon and I don't plan on having kids. Maybe a dog. Fingers crossed. Ooh. Um, uh, it's not going to happen until like thirty years from now because Keon hates pets. It's his one fatal flaw. Oh no! It's crazy. I, mean, I know. I guess everyone has that one thing. That I know. Makes them he human. doesn't hate pets, but he doesn't want them in our house. <laughs> so that's, that's a big thing. Yeah. 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 He doesn't know. He didn't grow up with pets. He doesn't know the joy. He doesn't know that connection. Right. So um, Maybe I'm working on you it. You could dog sit for someone once. I mean, that's kind of why I signed up for Rover to be like a dog uh, walker. And But we did have one dog stay in the house, and it was a oh, nightmare. That's right. It was terrible. So, yeah. So, it was terrible. <laughs> You're not helping my case. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It was not great. But, uh, but anyway, going back to just like the relationship of... Marion and Ladybird. Like, I love the Grapes of Wrath th- uh, sort of. I, first of all, I love that the Grapes of Wrath is on cassette. Oh. I love that car. That car is so important to, like, just establish, like, oh, okay, yeah, I know exactly who this, this mom is. Mm-hmm. I know her, like, you know a lot about her just by that. But I love that they both have this shared mo- It's like It's like the opposite of the thrift store where they're, like, arguing and then they have a moment mm-hmm. that kind of just, like snuffs out any of the tension it's like this is like it's just a matter it's I, I don't know it's like oil and water in a way but like it's also there was a time like just right before it you could see it coming she's like let's just sit with our thoughts mm-hmm. and then you could see lady bird just kind of like getting impatient like but i want to listen and then it's just over it's just yeah. these moments are all fleeting and it's also just like teenage girls and their moms like from what i know it's a complicated sort of dynamic which i have never navigated but like there's similarities of course that i have with my everyone's kind of shitty to their mom in their teen years Mm -hmm. and like favors not necessarily favors their dad but like they still hang out with their mom more at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think that's i even though it was so much about a mother-daughter relationship it it brought up those sort of complicated hormonal relationships that we have with our parents as teenagers and how a lot of that influences like these like flying off the handle moments where you're just Mm -hmm. like you're you're 17 you're insane anyway and then you know it kind of looking at it from the parents point of view 
you know, as kids, we just, as kids, as like teenagers, you know, we see our parents as really just one way. And then as adults, you can kind of look back and go, oh, okay, you were also a human being in that moment. And I think mm. what Lady Bird does really well is it shows how both Marion and Lady Bird are contributing to this dysfunction that they have. Because yeah. I think with Lady Bird, she's just going through a really tumultuous time in her life. And like, there's so much growing up that happens in this movie that I didn't really appreciate until watching again how subtle the mat the mature the maturing was of Christine throughout the movie. Sure. Like little things of like her relationship even with religion, you know, and um, mm -hmm. how she uh, the, the ways we see her grow up with Lucas Hedges' character, and um, you know that amazing moment when you know he comes to talk to her and you know talks about coming out and starts crying, and we just see she suddenly grows up in that moment, and she grows up from being the spurned girlfriend to being like, oh, okay, like you're going through something here and I, you know, I'm here to support you. And I, so there's a lot of just her having to evolve out of this dysfunction, but at the same time, I mean, Marion, I feel like it's a mix of what she knows from her own life. You know, there's that brief moment where she said that her mother was an abusive alcoholic. And, yes. you know, I feel like that informs a lot of her character. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's, um, it's kind of the double-edged sword of being overprotective, of being a helicopter parent, of um, of being so concerned about your child's well-being that you kind of become uh, you you become an, in I don't know an imposition to that to that you know growing up and to that well-being because um, in her mind the idea of like you know folding up your clothes and making the bed and and keeping things neat and orderly she thinks is supposed to help Lady Bird but is really just giving her a complex and making her feel bad about herself, you know? Yes. Uh, I, I almost feel, because I want to, I have to talk about Tracy Letts because yes. I just think he's so good in this movie. And as soon as, that was my opening line, like, because uh, I just love that Thanksgiving moment where Marion is so warm and bubbly towards um, Danny, the famous Danny. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so like, it's such mom behavior and I yeah. love it. I love that. She hugs him mm -hmm. and then like, I don't know. It remind Tracy Letts reminds me a lot of like my uncles mm -hmm. and like, there's like, um, not one specifically too, but like, it's like they're goofy and they're friendly and like, they're really warm, but also there's like a layer of like, there's a little bit of darkness there too. And it's not until like we find out in that bathroom scene that your father has been suffering from depression mm. for years. But in a way it's like, because of that, Marion has to like, do she has to be bad cop mm -hmm. so there's no choice for her to be bad cop because good cop doesn't even want to be good cop at the same like he's not even trying he's just being silent but yeah. as as a default he is the good cop still too it's like and she uses that as like a weapon at times it's like your father doesn't have a job do you, you know and just like really said like look what you made your father feel terrible by having him drop you off like all these sort of like Things that Lady Bird probably knows. She knows that she's doing that, mm -hmm. like subconsciously or uh, or consciously making that decision. But it's it's there's such guilt in that uh, in that regard that she's just. I mean, moms can lay it on thicker than anyone else because they just like know. It's like when you're in a relationship for so long, you just know which buttons are really going to get like which buttons to push. Mm -hmm. I guess. Well, that's a good question with Marion because she obviously pushes buttons throughout this whole movie and. And it, it's like, the question is like, 
how often is she aware that she's doing it? How often is it deliberate? And how often is it just like her own point of view just conflicting with reality or her own neuroses conflicting with with reality? Mm. <clears throat> and I, that's what I like about this character is that she is so flawed in her own way. Like she's, I think, you know, we're, we're meant to take away and certainly do take away that she's trying her best and she does want the best for Ladybird. But I think you know, what's an interesting similarity to say, you know, I, Tanya, for example, is that, and a lot of parents is that their vision of what they want and what they think is the best for their child is really only specific to their point of view. It's not taking their actual child's like, uh, individuality into, into consideration. It's like, they have an idea of what they want their kid to be. That makes them feel safe Oh yes, or them feel valid or them feel like, okay, this is right. And it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's good on paper, but when you try to apply it to the actual human being, it might not fit. Yeah. The adaptability of Marion in these situations, like my first thought is like Ladybird going somewhere else for Thanksgiving. And, um, there was another moment too, that I was looking at my notes and I can't remember it now. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, that she, she wants her to go to that college she wants Mm -hmm. her like she's like oh great you got in let's go to Chili's this is exactly what I want Mm -hmm. this is great and then like the bomb is dropped that she actually is on the wait list they don't do they ever say what school in New York it is um I don't know I assume it's one of like like a decent one I feel like below Columbia but not like I don't know I think it might be NYU because it seems like she's so she doesn't get into Columbia and Fordham is up in the Bronx and at the end of the movie when she gets drunk and she's in the hospital and then we see her walking, she's she's like downtown in the village. So I think it's mm-hmm. NYU. Got it. Um, and I just love, I love how it can ch- change on a dime, like the dynamic, even in front, like when um, Lady Bird comes out for Thanksgiving and uh, Lucas Hedges is like, you look great. And then Marion immediately, like, immediately says like, what's in the, du- or what the hell's in the duffel bag or something mm-hmm. like that. She just like, code switches right away she's like hold on hold on what's this what's this it's like mrs nice mom goes away for a moment yeah Um, yeah but then it just like dissolves there's not really like anything um yeah because they don't i think i can't that sort of goes back to like they don't ever resolve these conflicts and i think that's yeah like what's so challenging about this relationship is that even even the huge conflict of you know ladybird getting into um nyu and and applying even applying in the first place and you know they never, you know, make amends in person. Like she obviously writes a number of versions of that, of that letter. And, you know, I think we're meant to believe obviously by the end that, uh, Lady Bird is kind of as an adult is kind of bridging the gap with Marion. And I think in a lot of ways, it's like, it's that transition that we have with our parents where you eventually become two adults and not adult and child yes i was gonna mention that earlier too yeah Yeah. and and you don't really realize that until you are an adult and you look back at these situations and like okay yeah they're doing they did the best that they can and Mm -hmm. they just were one they do want the best for you and i think you just said it too i'm just repeating but the letters are the closest thing to like her saying like i love you and i i want the best for you Mm -hmm. because it's probably in those letters yeah but she just has trouble communicating it's like it's a lot of parents do my dad has the same issue it's Mm -hmm. like he's not very open with his emotions and never has been and we've never had like 
a talk about his hopes and dreams and what he wanted out of life. It's just like, he's my dad and he's provided for me and my family and that's what he does. And we have a good relationship now, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, that's all it really is. It's like surface level stuff too. But yeah, yeah. I think the fact that Marion is such a nurturer to like everyone else in her life, we see that talking, even that like the priest father, Leviach, yeah. L-E-V- I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I was like, uh, Father L. Yeah. Father L, we'll call him too. And like, um, she just seems to care and so much more about everyone else. At least this is like how I would look at it as a teenager. Like, mm-hmm. you give everyone else so much attention and love and you don't give me anything. All you do is just yell at me and I'm sorry that I'm not perfect. Uh, that sort of whiny protest of like, but it's even within that she's being a little bit more, at least she's kind of saying what she feels mm-hmm. like. I'm sorry that I'm not perfect. Like, and it's just when, Oh gosh, it's like when Marion gives like the cold shoulder once, like everything is dropped. It's like, she's so good at it. Oh. She, and she, there's nothing that's going to get her to say anything too, because yeah. that's her only, it's a power play. It's just like, you're, I'm well, my, my, my move right now is just silence. And I want you to like suffer from this, which is awful. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of what evolves in the movie is that towards the beginning, you know, obviously the first scene, you know, after that great moment of them, just like crying, listening to the grapes of wrath, you know, Christine is the one who, you know, makes the ridiculous decision to jump out of the car. Like she's the one who's quote unquote in the wrong. And granted Marion is being ridiculous and is like, you know, going a little too far in, in, you know, being unsupportive. But there's that, there's that concept of who knows better in the moment. And I think Mm -hmm. as the movie goes on, Lady Bird is, is more correct. And Marion is more incorrect as the movie goes on. And I think about that scene when they're picking up the prom dress and Lady Bird is like, but I know that you love me, but do you like me? And Marion can't even answer that. And I think, yeah, that that is like we really begin to see that it's not just like ladybird being the petulant teenager she's right like she's she's so perceptive and i think marion knows that and the thing that stands out to me that kind of confirms some of marion's own flaws is when her fa- when ladybird's father tells her about the letters you know your mother was afraid you were going to judge her writing oh, and, and it just breaks my heart because it's like we realize how insecure Marion is about her whole life. But the fact that they live in that part of town, and I'm not 100% sure where it is. There are a lot of, like, middle-class, lower-middle-class neighborhoods in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I have a general idea of where it is. Like, it's certainly um, the the class, you know, differentiations in Sacramento are very accurate. You know, the, they definitely don't live in, in the fabulous 40s, which is where that, that dream house is. Um, and they don't live in Granite yes. Bay. Like it's, um, it, there's, there's a clear class divide in Sacramento. Um, but the fact that she drives that car, the fact that like, you know, this is what their life is. This is as much as they can do. I think it's, we're so used to seeing stories about insecure teenagers and how they respond to their insecurities. And Lady Bird is so interesting because we get to see how her mother responds to her own insecurities and mm-hmm. passes them on to her daughter. Yes. There's so many scenes that are popping into my head now, too. Number one, I have to start with the pillow at Christmas. Oh, it just makes me laugh. (laughs) It just makes me laugh. I loved that. What a simple, 
beautiful moment mm-hmm. that is because everyone else gets socks and I love I love that Lady Bird gives her like a genuine thank you like mm-hmm. I love them and and she means it yeah she's not she knows the deal she knows that like and maybe in the back of her head she knows that like well I get socks for Christmas but I get to go to college in New York it's just like a sort of like mm-hmm. price of admission sort of idea um, but I love that she I, I, and it's such a thrift store buy mm-hmm. um, and it's just like that the pillow doesn't really make sense. It says uh, uh, golfers never diet. They just exist on greens. I mean, it does make sense, right. but it's just so stupid. Yeah. But it's I could picture her picking it up in the thrift store and just having a chuckle and like, you know, it's it's the tag of the week. So it's 50 percent off, you know, mm-hmm. sold. Mm-hmm. And it's the um, kind of gift you look and go, yeah. oh, that's funny. And then you never think about it again. It's, yes. It's, and it's just going to collect dust. Yeah. yeah. It's never funny after the first time you look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think, I think that is of course a big difference from Lavana in, uh, I, Tanya, is that we do get a lot of sympathetic moments with Marion that don't absolve her of the times that she's wrong, but at least help us better understand that she's not malicious. She's just, mm-hmm. you know, she's just coming to the job of being a mother with her own challenges and her own, um, you know, uh, shortcomings and I think there's also that thing of like Marion knowing that, as you said, she has no choice but to be bad cop because good cop is more of just like complacent cop is more of just like depressed cop who's just like doesn't want to, you know, uh, stir up any conflicts. And yeah, he's just going to sit in the office and eat donuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think the running theme of, of her fa- of Lady Bird's father saying, well, don't tell your mother. Let's not tell your mother about this. That is so yes. truth. My parents still do that. Yeah, it's like speaking as a sibling rather than like a father. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't tell mom, mm-hmm. okay, I did this and I messed up. Um, I will say like the one moment, I think like the warmest moment that we get, besides maybe the Grapes of Wrath, just both of them crying, um, is when Lady Bird finally sleeps with Timothy Chalamet and they have that car moment yeah. and she says, oh, honey. It's like the way that she says that. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Thank God that there is at least this. And she holds her close and she's like, it's just a great moment for both of them. Mm-hmm. They both need each other in that moment too. And it's such an unexpected, like, oh, it's, you know, I thought so-and-so was supposed to pick me up there. The bro- Miguel, I think is the brother's mm-hmm. name. And she picked like, thank God that Marion picked her up instead. Because yeah. that would have been such an awful situation. And then she probably wouldn't have told her brother. She probably would have taken that energy home to Marion and they would have gotten a big fight about it. Totally. As opposed to just like squashing that and just like needing your mom in that moment. I think it's, perfect i mean Um, yeah and i love i mean just like the the idea of marion doesn't question why she's upset she's just like do you want to go do our favorite sunday activity and they go to open houses and it's yes it's and it's brilliant because we really get to see in these moments how similar they are and the things Mm -hmm. that like i mean and that's of course one of the other big conflicts with parents and children is like sometimes the problem is you're just too similar you're the same person my mom and i are so much the same person we are equally stubborn and Mm -hmm. you know what we believe and what we think we don't want anyone to educate us we will come to it on our own (laughs) um and you know and i and I feel like, and you know, when we're upset about something, we want to process the shit out of it, which drives my stepdad mm-hmm. crazy because he's so much more of just like an engineer of like, okay, let's just like problem solve this. And my mom and I yeah. just want to hash it out for hours. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's ultimately what, like when I think about the 
what happens after the end of Lady Bird. I think these two are going to figure it out because they are ultimately more similar than they're different. And it's just about evolving into being in those like, you know, uh, adjacent lanes, you know? Yeah. I feel that there is, it's like the road to healing begins near the end of the movie. It's like, it's her, it's Lady Bird calling and leaving that message and saying specifically it's for mom Mm -hmm. and just like calling home. I think that maybe what they need most of all is that distance, whether or not Marion really wanted that to begin with. I think that that really could be a really like the best situation for them, for both of them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It kind of allows them both to evolve separately. And, and I think for Marion, it's like, it's getting, it's helping her accept that her, that, her daughter's grown up, you know, and is going to have to figure this out on her own. And that distance mm-hmm. is the only way that Marion can let go and allow that. But ultimately that's how Christine, as we see by the end is going to kind of, I don't know, give her mother the, the uh, sense of, I don't know, the peace of mind that, yeah, she's going to be okay. She's going to figure it out and she's going to fuck up along the way. You know, yeah. she's going to get drunk and go to the hospital, but like, that's part of yeah, it. That's great. Yeah. You have to allow your kid to fuck up. Yeah. I, I, I know. I feel like we're nearing the end of our Marion, <clears throat> Marion chat, excuse me, but I do want to talk about because it is such a face journey when she does say like, what, if, what if this is the best version and the way that she like, there's so much going on with mm. that glance. It's like, come on. But it's also like, I, she's kind of at a loss for words. Yeah. She doesn't know what to say, but she also says, like, you know that there's more for you out there. You know that this is just, it's like she wants to say, like, of course, I mean, you're the best version of yourself right now, but there's there's more to come, and you're going to accomplish so many things, and you're going to go to college, and you're going to meet people, and all this other stuff. But she, she doesn't say it, and I love, I love that this takes place in, like, outside the dressing room, because mm-hmm. Lady Bird gets to shut the door mm-hmm. on that conversation just for a moment, but also come back out, uh, because... She's calling her out. She's yeah. call, like, this is, that's a heavy question because yeah. she's already ignored the, do you like me question? And then she, cause she responds, I want you to be the way that she like, she's thinking she's, she's making that up as she goes. Cause she doesn't want to say that. I like you. Of course I like you. She says, I want you to like the way that she slows down her delivery of that line is perfect. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, I just really love that moment. And I'm sure that's like, and I think it's in the trailer too. Is it in the trailer? I know that the, her jumping out of the car is in the trailer, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that face journey at the end there? Just to kind of wrap. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, uh, it's, it's sort of this turning point in their relationship where typically Marion has like the comeback and she has like the, she wins the argument. She, she can do the, because I said so that mothers can do, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the moment where she's like, I, I can't wriggle out of this one. I, you're probably right. And, um, having to kind of admit that like, this may be true and that like, it's not under her control anymore, you know? Um, and I think, you know, kind of com- like tacking on the the car face journey when she leaves the airport. Yes, yes, please. Um, yes. I think because I think that's kind of an extension of that of like realizing, you know, she at that point she's been giving Lady Bird the silent treatment. 
I mean, that scene in the kitchen when Lady Bird is just like, please, would you just talk to me? Like, mm. Saoirse Ronan is incredible in this role. Yeah. It's, yeah. She is so good in this role. And that moment just like so devastating because she's like, please, I know, I know I fucked up. I just need you to talk to me. And the fact that Marion won't is, I mean, she's got the same kind of stubbornness that Lady Bird has in that moment. Yeah. Um, but I think once she drops her off at the airport and then starts to pull away and it's like that realization of like, like, Oh, like this, I can't end it like this. No, like I can't hold this grudge. It's not worth it. Um, I think the part of that, that always like breaks my heart is when she's coming back around to the, to the gate or, you know, to, to pull up the airport and she's there it is. There it is. Like she's whispering that. Oh. Oh, and the, the thing that, kills me is the and it's this is so much direction and like you know uh just the way the scene is done is marion runs into the airport and then we see her start to just slow down and hang her head and just start to cry before we know what like we don't fully know but she she knows before we do that it's too late you know and then just Mm -hmm. like you know collapses into larry's arms and it just is oh it's so like it's so much, I think, like, Marion finally giving in to, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, this is out of my control now. Like, it, you know, Lady Bird is gone. And that it's that feeling I, that I have to imagine a lot of parents feel of, like, the window of opportunity for me to be the parent has closed. But Ooh, have I been able yeah. to, like, have I maximized my potential, you know? Yes. Oh, yes. Bringing it back to the BSA. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's like there. My mom cried. She did come to like send me off to college, um, and I actually had a terrible roommate my first semester of college, so that didn't help. Mm. He showed up with like, you know, in Pittsburgh we have Shop and Save, mm-hmm. uh, but it would be like Stop and Shop or wherever you are in the country. Sure. He showed up with like a couple of those bags, and that's all he like showed up with. He didn't like have. I think he had like some sheets that were just like wadded up in like a ball. Mm-hmm. It was not the, I, I, and I switched roommates and it was fine too, but I can imagine the amplification of like already saying goodbye to your son and like leaving him with this like hobo um, yeah. of a roommate too. She was just inconsolable. And I, I didn't know why she was crying because I was excited to just like start my life. And you don't, you can't like connect or even understand what that would feel like unless you like have kids or just like grow older and kind of look back on it, of course. But ooh, I love that. I love that analysis of, yeah, like you're still, they're not under your roof anymore. There's yeah. something about your kid living under your roof that there's a certain, uh, I, I don't, I don't know what to call it, but it's just, you can still uh, say my house, my rules. Yeah, kind of. And in a way, and yeah. it really does, I, I think, end for a lot of folks when when you go off to college is that's the yes. tide change. And um, but it's also like for the better, because ultimately you yeah. can evolve to have a more like adult relationship, which is way mm-hmm. more functional, potentially. Yes, yes, yes. Now, of course, Laurie Metcalf, and, you know, after we talk about Itania, we can kind of, you know, make this decision of maybe who should have won the Oscar or yeah. why one did versus the other. But Laurie Metcalf was really the the front runner with Allison Janney for the mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actress Oscar this year and is so much a different and similar performance because, you know, obviously we're talking about dysfunctional mothers. But I think so much of... Laurie Metcalf's performance is in these like small nuances and small emotional shifts. And, you know, some of it is the writing so much of it's the performance, 
but I there's a smallness to it and like a quietness to it that is very different from I Tanya. Whereas yeah. I feel like Allison Janney as Lavana is she's practically in drag, you know? Yes. Yes. And is very much a a full on villain, is a monster from the beginning. I think one of the big differences I noticed with Itania versus Lady Bird is that we get those variations in Lady Bird. We get the Grapes of Wrath moment. We get the open house moments. But in Itania, there is never a moment of warmth with Lavana. Mm-hmm. Um, Lavana, Lavona, I don't know. I've been saying it probably both ways, but That's all right. I'm sure she's not listening. Um, <laughs> I don't think she, who cares, you know? But, um, yeah. but that's certainly like my initial takeaway is like, the the biggest difference between these performances is just i think that marion is kind of it's like a small simple font and then you know with like just little nuances and then lavana is big and bold and underlined and it's in like you know uh word art you know like it's sure it's just yeah. comic sans comic sans realness <laughs> um and so, yeah, so talk to me about your thoughts on, on, on this performance, this, this mom. Yeah, first of all, it's such an Allison Janney role. The only thing that's missing from this is, like, in a typical Allison Janney role is, like, camp and comedy. But it, even within that, it's, the comedy does still exist. I mean, the first frame is she's talking to, I mean, best supporting what is that parakeet bird yeah, on her shoulder? I don't, I, bird, I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. She's like, who's my little man? Are you my little man? That's my sixth husband right there. Yeah, it's the, the best, best one. of them. Yeah. The, the finger that them. she puts up. Yeah. It's like, it's you immediately, I, that's all I needed. That's all I needed to know what this, uh, what we were signing up for, I guess. But then there's really, it's just, it goes downhill from there because it's almost a little bit, it's charming and kind of funny with that opening, opening line too. But, um, and just like looking at her, the wig, the glasses, the, the way that she dresses, I could like smell the cigarette smoke on her. Yeah. Uh, it's, but she's really just like a monster. Uh, and I think that's actually one of Tanya's lines is like, you're a monster because, (sighs) yeah, it's it's, do we t- do we get to know Lavana or do we know Lavana's mom or like I know we don't know her in the movie but has she talked like does she have that line like my mother was an alcohol I guess she said I wish my mother was I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice nice gets you yeah. shit so and, I guess maybe her mom was nice but I find that hard to believe I yeah. don't know yeah I because I feel like someone like Lavana like when I see people like that to me it feels very generational it feels very much mm-hmm. like this is and i think we see this more so with tanya where you learn this really fucked up version of of things where you think the abuse is your fault and you think that this like you learn to kind of forgive when somebody hits you and like there's just this very like distorted understanding of like truth and like what you should you know be putting up with and it does make you wonder what lavana went through to make her into this monster and to be so grizzled, you know? Yeah, I think it's like most of, I wouldn't say most of the uh, the abuse is performative, but there is that element because she says, I don't know about several times, but a couple times she says like she skates better 
when she's upset. She skates better when she has this fuel. So like the perfect example of that is hiring that guy to like boo her mm-hmm. and then like give him money as soon as he sits down. I, I laughed out loud because at that point you're like, of course she's, that was like, she hired him to do that. It's, right. it's terrible, but it's like, it's, she thinks it's for her own good. And I think that's the difference between like, but I do think the lines are blurred sometimes too with just like good old fashioned abuse and then also good old, like I'm abusing you and I'm getting in your head to make you a better skater and to make you a champion because it does almost work. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. she has such a career before everything really kind of went to shit, but um, it makes me think of like what other people like in, in competitive sports and even like singing or like any sort of art form, like their parents, like stage moms, stage moms are stage moms for a reason too. Mm-hmm. It's like, they know what it takes. So they, they push their kids into practicing and it's, and sometimes it gets to this level. I think this is like the, the most extreme version of that, but it's even if you are like sort of quote unquote, like a good mom, there's still that part of you that has to like, strap on like your Levana boots every once in a while and like let that come out to get your kid to be the best they can be. Yeah. It's such a fine line of like discipline versus like, yeah, just like straight up abuse. I mean, I, it's, I think when she says like, you know, she skates better when she's, you know, when she's upset, when she's pissed off, it's like, but you created that. Like, that's not normal. That's not and natural. You're mother, yeah. And you're, yeah. yeah, like, you're the one who gave her that dysfunction. And so there's mm-hmm. this weird, twisted version of, like, this is what's going to make her the best version of herself. But, like, you're using poison as fuel, you know? And she's just learned to digest it over time. But, like, obviously with, you know, tragic consequences. Um, it's so it's, yeah, you know, cause it obviously Marion has her own versions in Lady Bird of like, she makes kind of, she says the wrong thing and like gives the wrong take on things because she thinks it's, it's a reality check or she thinks it's going to direct Lady Bird in the right direction. But I think with Lavana, it's like, it's literally like, yeah, like piss her off, get her upset, hurt her. And that will make her do better. Like it's so much more fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, and I think, you know, in terms of stage moms, I mean, there's always that narrative of like, what life are you wanting your child to lead that you weren't able to lead? And like, is it, how much of this is about them and how much of this is about you, you know, and like kind of yeah. having your kids live out your dreams, um, you know, and like, and then, yeah, it just, it becomes... It just becomes so much. It, the child's well-being has nothing to do with it anymore. It's about your own well-being. Yeah, but even with that being said, it's like, what's the payoff for Lavana? Like, you never see her excited about anything. Mm-hmm. The Tanya, there's not even like a yes from the crowd. Like, even like a really like, yeah, we fucking got him. Like, yeah. yes. Like, there's never that. It's just like quietly smoking. Like, it's what? What is she getting from all this besides the fact that she's just abusing her? Like. Tanya eventually leaves she's not getting like any money from Tanya like it's just like I don't know what her motivation is because in no world do I see like Lavana being like a former figure skater that like almost made it because that's typically the equation for stage mom Mm -hmm. it's like your mom was in that art form or whatever it was or sport before you so they know a little bit of the ropes but like what made Lavana decide that 
figure skating was it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 I want to know that earlier story. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, it's a great question for any like, you know, insane stage parent, you know, it was like, what, what are you getting out of this? Like, what do you, how do you feel this reflects on you? I mean, I think about Kirstie Alley and Drop Dead Gorgeous. I was just going to say yeah. Yes, yes. Right? It's the perfect example. Right. Yes. But we're like, going to state. We're go- yeah, yeah. We're going to state. Yeah. And I think like there it makes sense. But in this case, I mean, it makes me think of, have you ever seen, it's a HBO documentary called Living Dolls about child beauty pageants? No. Oh. You will love it. I will. I will find. <laughs> okay. I will find it and send it to you. Where, however, it exists on the internet right now. Okay. Uh, you will come to appreciate the uh, cult figure of Swan Bruner, um, and her mother. Her mother is very much a Lavana, like not as abusive, but just as grizzled and just like yes. road hard, put away, wet, smoking a cigarette. You know, just has like a sandpaper face. You know, it just. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much like a real life example of this. And it's the same thing of like, what is this woman getting out of it? She was n- clearly never in beauty pa- pageants, you know? Yeah. But I, you know, I wonder if it's just, you know, people see this as like, you know, especially if you, you know, you're poor and you're, you know, quote unquote, like rednecks and whatnot. Like this is in some way uh, an escape from that reality is a, is a potential mm-hmm. like, um, absolution from that reality even if it's not yours directly it's like yeah there's some part of you that got out of this you know and i think yeah. that's there's certainly like an economic desperation with marion but i think with lavana it's just so much worse um because it's like <laughs> she's a waitress at a restaurant she's been a waitress at this restaurant all of uh tanya's life you know mm-hmm. like and she's never going to be anything more than that and um, so maybe there's just some vicarious kind of joy of like, you know, seeing some version of yourself escape from this life that really doesn't have anything to do with your child doing better, but just like, oh, somehow this is me doing better. Somehow this is me escaping. Yeah. It's, it's, I never really thought about it until right now too, because it's like, she, she goes to all the competitions, but she's never backstage with Tanya. She's never giving her like a pep talk. She's just an audience member. She just is an observer, which in a way would mess with my head even more, knowing mm-hmm. that somewhere out in the audience is my mom just like shaking her head and watching me. Yeah. Um, and it's it's such an interesting can of worms to open to because it's like, I think in ways, in ways... There, are, it's like a lot of what Lavana is saying does need to be said in some way. Like if you if you want to be the best, you have to train eight hours a day. You have to be like like have that sort of mindset that like nothing you do is good enough. So you have to keep trying harder. But even as I say that, it sounds like such venom mm-hmm. to like any sort of person's psyche. And like, but there is that moment like you have to like I would just say like you have to train be better because a lot of my students like when they audition for stuff it's like ooh, i know you're probably not going to get this but i'm going to be i'm going to try to make you the best that you can be Mm -hmm. on that given day and it'll sting if you don't get it but you keep trying but with this it's like it's there's no it's like it's just to the extreme of that and it's in no way helpful yeah to but it does work though like i said before it does work like i could only imagine like these moms sitting on the side like everyone knows who lavana is yeah i could not imagine being that coach but i do love how the coach is just this soft-spoken 
sort of calming presence too. And thank God. I know. Because like if the coach plus Lavana was also like on her back, it would be, it would be a lot. Well, I was, I was going to say is Diane played by Julianne Nicholson, Nicholson, um, who I really enjoyed in this movie. I, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'd love to, with that wig, because she's not naturally a blonde, I'd love yes. to see you and Amy Ryan play sisters in something. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. I mean, yeah. also, Amy like... Amy Ryan could have played that role. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. Amy Ryan could have played that role. I think she she might have done pretty well with Lavana as well. I mean, we know what oh, Amy yeah. Ryan can do from Gone Baby yes. Gone, you know? Yes. Um, fuck, bae. But, fuck, bae. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think Diane is a great contrast, because when... Uh, when Tanya's getting back in shape and she's kind of getting back into the, you know, back on her game and she's training like Rocky in the woods and Diane's like, yeah, she really did all this. We see that like there is a way to train and there is a way to discipline someone and there is a way to kind of push someone to be their best that isn't abusive and that is gentle Mm -hmm. and, um, and that does work. And really that's, that was the key to Tanya's success was not Lavana, it was Diane. Diane's yeah. what helped who is who helped her, you know, come back and and start in the beginning. And so um it is kind of a relief in I Tanya because most of the characters in this movie are just despicable. Like you just hate all of them. And then Diane is just this bright light. Uh, I'm like, oh thank God for Diane and that in that tracksuit, you know, and that fur oh, coat, yes. you know. Um one of the things, this is sort of a tangent, but one of the things I took away from my Tanya was like the whole time I thought, oh, Sebastian Stan. Yeah, he played the hot priest in Fleabag and he did uh, not. That was Andrew Scott. Not. Yes. And so I was like, well, then who the fuck is Sebastian Stan? Uh, but, you know, he and like Sean, like that friend, like they were so frustrating. And I just wanted Tanya to like beat the shit out of the both of them. And it was like, Ooh, this, yes. this movie is making me want violence because it's so violent, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and, and you really do like similar to, you know, lady bird, you really understand how Tanya got to be who she is. And, and as you were kind of saying in the beginning of the episode, like I, yeah, we certainly had this misperception of her as this, like, mm-hmm. as you know, the one who was just like beating Nancy mercilessly with a bat, you know, where it was like she had no direct involvement with that, and yeah. she paid the price. And granted, she had some awareness of it. She's not completely innocent, but um, you know, I, I, I definitely felt like there was a sort of absolution of Tanya Harding by the end. Is like she was never the monster. You know, she yeah. was the product of a lot of monsters around her, minus Diane. Yes. Yeah, those two men. I mean, Sebastian Stan can get it. Oh, my lord. I <clears throat> I really love the mustache. <laughs> sure, I didn't mind it. Yeah. But I think by far, like the most frustrating person in the movie is is Sean, played by Paul Walter Hauser, I guess, who was also in Richard Jewell, yes. which is perfect. Yes. He is. I love that Bobby Cannavale refers to them as like the two biggest boobs. Yeah. I just love like uh, because they are. They are idiots. They are complete idiots. And I think one of my favorite parts with Sean is when they're interviewing him and he's like, well, I am. I am like an internationally known like master of like espionage and like uh, terrorist trends or whatever Mm -hmm. he's saying. And she's like, but. You're not. But you're not. And she's like, but you don't do that. He's like, but I, I do. Yeah. But, you, but I, but I searched. Right? We looked, and you don't. Yeah, <laughs> and it was. Like, but I do. It reminded me of you know that this the recent uh, interview with Chris Wallace and Donald Trump about the cognitive 
uh, test yes. where it's like, well, it's not that hard. It, it's there's a picture of animals and you have to identify which one's an elephant. You know, like it was like, yeah, but it's not that hard. Like it's, it's it, there was like a strange there is something about I, Tanya that there's there was something very relevant about it when it came out in 2017. There was so much commentary about just, you know, the, the uh, you know, sort of the 24 hour news cycle and just, you know, public perception and fame. And um, that commentary just feels even more relevant in 2020. Yes. Yeah. I, I think of a, a similar uh, story as like Monica Lewinsky and mm-hmm. how that just like blew up. It's like there's yeah. similar trajectories too. And mm-hmm. like they're both, and Monica Lewinsky is gone. I, there, there's an episode, um, there's a podcast called You're Wrong About. Have you heard about that? Ep- uh, I think I've heard of, I think I've heard about it because of that episode. I hadn't, I haven't listened to it, yeah. but I've heard of it. Yeah. I haven't listened to it. Keon did. And he said, it's fascinating too, mm. just to hear like her side of the story. And it, he had a very similar uh sense of like oh god i feel so bad for her we really treated her like shit and it's always women yeah it's always women she was like she was a young white house intern and we held her more accountable than the president of the united states yeah a married man who's the president of the united states um yeah it's i mean i think there was even a a documentary that came out recently about lorena bobbitt and how you know we've all just seen her as you know the the monster with the scissors or whatever Mm -hmm. i don't want to think about how she did it but like that in fact there was just like a history of abuse and that this was like you know this was not someone who was malicious but was like you know trying to get the hell out of a situation um yeah and it's yeah it's really interesting when we especially thinking about you know the way these stories broke like in the 90s at a different time in the news like when we we didn't have Mm -hmm. the internet we didn't have all the sides of the story and the public opinion always, you know, consistently went in the way of like judging the woman. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God, it's, I just, it sucks like how close she was to like getting what she wanted to. And it's just mm-hmm. because of like, in ways I think that like, um, what's the guy's name in the movie who plays her husband, Jeff, mm-hmm. Jeff is probably, I mean, more so even Lavana. Mine wouldn't say more so, but like just as much of a villain in her yeah. story as Lavana because he is the one. He's just acting purely out of like pride and ego because he like she left him and he's like, well, I'll get her back. Yeah. But like, really, that was the whole thing stemmed from like, I want to show Tanya that I love her and care for her. So I'm going to call or I'm going to do these sort of death threat sort of letters to Nancy Kerrigan and then she'll know. I'm like, what? He's an idiot. He's an idiot. And then it just turned and he did try to stop it. Mm -hmm. But like the media is just like, once you're involved, you're involved. It's like, it's like, there's no way to stop that tidal wave of like, Oh, so you knew that this was going to happen. And then Tanya did quote unquote, no, but she didn't know what was happening. And the fact that she like gave her blessing, I'm sure they just like, it was a field day for them. Yeah. Yeah. She maybe had the smallest hand in all of it and had the biggest punishment and the biggest like judgment for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, I, I feel like it is an interesting trend of, of this time to get the alternative, the alternative narrative to like past Mm -hmm. villains, um, and like recognize, yeah, that like, this is so much more complex than like Tanya Harding being like a redneck monster who just wants to win gold, but like is the product of this mother and this husband and, and, you know, a life of being told, like, if you want something like you have to work, you know, twice as hard to get half as much. Yeah. Okay. So the question is, uh, if we zero in on these two best supporting actress performances, obviously 
Alice and Janney won the Oscar. She won just about every award you could win for this performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, I think Laurie Metcalf was pretty much nominated along with her, you know, along the way. Uh, and yeah. maybe won a few, but I think, it, you know, Alice and Janney was the dominant performance in this category. Yeah. I, my question to you is if we look at these two performances, do you feel like the right performance won? Why or why not? Oh, man. I, I have been thinking about this ever since we started talking about this episode, too. And I I can't say I don't know because I have to make a decision. But even if I say one woman over the other, I feel like it can change, like, by tomorrow. By, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and I only rewatched the movies once. So, like, and I was looking at it through that lens, of course. But I was also taking notes. And I also, you know, I really would love another look at it. But... I'm also looking at it from the outside of like a popularity contest in Hollywood. Of course, they're both well-known actresses, of course, like on stage and movies and theater or sorry, stay, uh, and television as well, too. It's like they both, if anything, like their television careers are probably what they're most known for. Mm. I feel like with mm. the West Wing and now Alice and Janney has mom. And but I also feel, well, no, I shouldn't say that because there's so many iconic Alice and Janney movies where I can't think the first thing that I think of with Laurie Metcalf in film is like she was the killer in Scream 2. She was one right. of the killers. Right. And she was great. Yeah, she was right. great in that. But um, I think just based on... It's like how I feel about All-Stars, like putting the time in. Oh, okay, And like yeah. winning mm-hmm. challenges versus like who... Not that I think... Not that Laurie Metcalf is like Blair St. Clair. It's like... Blair, Laurie Metcalf is Juju. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and I think that... Um, Allison Janney is Shea Coulee. Yes. It's like both are doing great. They're both doing great in different for different reasons. Um, I will say that I was rooting for Laurie Metcalf that year. It was kind of like my Florence Pugh of this year. It's like, mm-hmm. I know that Allison Janney's going to win, but wouldn't it be great mm-hmm. if Laurie Metcalf won an Oscar? Because she's great. Oh, God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding the question. Can you tell? Yeah. Um, I mean, you're narrating my entire emotional experience yeah. this as well. I, the comparison to All-Stars 5 is perfect. I feel yeah. like Juju B is who I want to. Now, granted, we're recording this before the finale, so this may feel yes. um, naive if you're listening later. Juju B is who I want to win. Shea Same. is probably who should win. But, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if Juju won? But, oh, but Shea. I mean, yes, it's the exact same feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to still volley it to you. At the end of the day, and I know this is hard. I'm, I'm very sympathetic. At the end of the day, if you had to choose, if you were an Oscar voter and it came down to Alice and Janney, and Laurie Metcalf that year, who would you put your vote down for? Okay, I... If I'm going with this Juju Shea sort of situation, I would vote for Laurie Metcalf. Okay. I would vote for her. I would feel like Allison probably had enough votes, but that it's not necessarily... Like, that's looking, on it, looking at it from, like, an underdog perspective, mm-hmm. which might... I still think is valid because I, I feel good about that vote. Like, I would feel good about voting for Juju because um, maybe Shay doesn't need the votes as much too. But, oh man, I, I really, I, I'm trying to think like in the future and the ve- mm-hmm. like the far future, like who will I remember more? And I think it's probably Laurie Metcalf. It's like, I, I liked the movie better. I liked the script. 
Yeah, it's Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. Buy a hair. Buy oh, a yeah. hair, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's it's tough. Yeah. Buy a caftan thread. Yeah. 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 You know, I How about you? Yeah. I think that I understand why Allison Janney won. And like Same. Granted, you know, coming at this loving Allison Janney, she's one of my favorite actresses. Obviously, we talked about her so much in Dropped It Gorgeous and the Dropped It Gorgeous episode and how great she is in that movie. I'm so excited to see her in anything. I just mm-hmm. I think that she's she's just my kind of actress. And I think that she I mean, this role was basically written for her and she mm-hmm. completely disappears into it. I mean, yes. completely embodies it. I understand why she won because it is such I mean, there is something so quintessential about it. The monstrous mother. Yes. We could probably do yes. a whole episode yes. on like oh best supporting moms, please. monstrous mothers, the mom and Carrie, you know, like there's it's yeah, a mommy dearest mommy dearest there's, like, there's these are great roles maybe for mother's day whenever that is yeah I think it already passed but, yeah uh, whatever we we'll can, do it next year yeah. yeah but like monstrous moms you know and it's it's Ooh, a great yes. category and a great kind of role to win for um and it is so i mean i think that the thing with lavona is that she there isn't much of an arc she starts nasty with a cigarette she ends nasty with a cigarette Mm-hmm. We think we're going to get a moment of like, you know, warmth and connection in that last scene together. And then it turns yeah. out that she's got the tape recorder and she's, she's still awful. And I think is in terms of a narrative, I mean, granted this is all based on fact, so I can't af- ask for a different story, but in terms of watching a character navigate, you know, uh, different kind of emotional peaks and valleys, yeah. I think we see more of it from Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. But Laurie Metcalf's performance is smaller and quieter, mm-hmm. and the movie is smaller and quieter. And um, I, but I agree. I think I think each of those characters sticks with me in a different way. I think for Allison Janney, there's just something so iconic in a way, but it's also informed by the costuming and about the direction, yeah, the drag, the of drag, it all. Yes. the hair, the glasses, like everything about that is kind of assembling you know this incredible performance whereas Laurie Metcalf doesn't have costumes that really inform us you know she doesn't has a pair of scrubs a pair of scrubs or a caftan and it's all about the small emotional shifts that she's making and that she's navigating and just like I think that that face journey in the car at the airport is such a great example of like it all just came down to steering wheel acting it all just came down to watching her process an emotional situation silently and it's like me personally i enjoy that more mm-hmm. so i and i also just love the idea of laurie metcalf winning an oscar and yeah she's same, not she's same. not a robbed actor she's got multiple tonys multiple emmys like yeah. she is a they both are very accomplished when it comes to awards i think there's something about each of them that is also not your traditional hollywood actress and yes. you know, like they are, they are so they're and they're not character actresses either. I mean, I think that's what's mm. so exciting about both of them is that they are, they're not generic looking, they're not generic acting. They play very different types of characters, but they're not, they're not like Margot Martindale trying to like you know where you're like, oh, I know her name or her face before I know her name yes. for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, I think that. I've always felt like I understand why Alice and Janney won. And 
granted, Allison Janney was going to win an Oscar at some point anyway. Like, sure. it has always yeah. been a matter of time till Allison Janney wins an Oscar. So I understand why she won, and I don't begrudge it. I think I love the idea of Laurie Metcalf winning the same way I love the idea of Juju B winning All Stars. Yeah. Five. So I would be floored. Yeah. I'd be floored. It would just, yeah. I think. So I I feel like it's really tough. I would go back and forth, but I think if I am voting based on my own, you know, parameters of what I look at in a role, and I'm not considering any of the other potentially nominated performances that year, mm-hmm. I I would I would go for the upset of Laurie Metcalf. Yeah, I would go for what it. What story that would be? I would I would. That would have made me jump off my couch. That would have yeah. been like a Sasha Velour Rose Petals yeah. <laughs> moment. Pun intended, since we're tying it in the drag race, too. Uh, yeah. I agree. I, and it's like one of the best lines in Itania is when she said, well, my, what did she say? My storyline just went out the, or is disappearing. She said, what the fuck? Oh, I love It's that. almost like, it's like the campiest moment, but it's like, I could imagine like the gays just like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, but like I, and I was one of them. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Where are you? Do you believe her? That's my last sort of question. Do you believe her when she says, I meant everything I said as Tanya's pushing her out the door? I don't know. I, I think that it's that complicated thing of she probably does mean it in a way she wouldn't want to see Tanya's face on TV. Like when she was working and her and her boss was like, get back to work. She's like, no, I want to see her face at the end. I think yeah. that signaled that like, no, she does have an emotional investment in this. And she does want to, she, she ultimately always did want to see her daughter win and do well. And it really, I think is more about winning than like doing well or being well. It's like, I want to see yeah. you win. I want to see you, you know, beat that bitch Nancy Kerrigan you know yes um versus like I want to see you be your best self and so I think in Lavana's own twisted way she meant it but I think that she is also she's fucked up and so she can feel that way and um can try to like tape record Tanya saying that she knew about the you know what was going to happen like I think that's what's interesting about both of these women is that they both are true. Like mm-hmm. Marion wants best for her daughter, but is she sometimes wrong in how she approaches that? Yes. And the same is true for Lavana, but like times a hundred. Yeah. She saves like, I, it's like, there's so many times that my jaw dropped the first time watching I, Tanya, just like that. Like she saves her best material for like the happiest moments of Tanya, like the wedding. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my God. What did she said? What did she say? She's like, Oh, look at you. She's like marrying the first idiot that says you're pretty. Yeah. You fuck dumb. You don't marry dumb. Yeah. And then just, and Tanya, God bless her. She just like walks right by her. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, it's like, I knew you'd say something. Yeah. Uh, so you said what you said, and I'm just going to keep doing. <sighs> she throws a knife in her. She throws, she a, throws knife a knife her. in her arm. And I mean, I remember watching that scene wanting, like, wanting Tanya to throw it back at her. And like, yes, it just. I want to see her hit her. Yeah. I totally went out. Like, break those stupid glasses. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's just, I think, you know, it's worth mentioning that these performances are surrounded with great performances. Margot Robbie, I mean, that scene, both the scene of her putting the makeup on and like trying to stop crying and trying to smile. I've always loved that scene, but I forgot how good the courtroom scene is. Yep. You know, we talked about this with the Hamilton episode, like watching someone try to not cry is more powerful than watching someone Mm -hmm. cry. And she just, 
Margot Robbie is really like she. I think she's someone I might look at and and not, you know, give enough credit to. Like I think oh she's just like pretty and blonde and white, but like she's a really phenomenal actress. Like yeah, she, she's incredible. She's really great. And same for Saoirse Ronan. I feel like it's almost become a joke of like oh yeah Saoirse Ronan she's so great, but like. I mean, it just, she's great. She, she just is like, she really like, you kind of forget that she's nothing like Lady Bird. She does. She doesn't have an American accent even, you know, like she's yeah. nothing like this person. And, uh, they both fully disappear into those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, same for, I loved in, in Lady Bird, Beanie Feldstein is phenomenal oh, as Jules. She's so great. She's such she's a, so, great. so funny. I mean, assistant to the best supporting actress, Beanie Feldstein. Oh, in every sense of the word. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Best yes, supporting yes. actor, Tracy Letts. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I also love Lois Smith as the, as the nun. Yes. The nun. Yeah. Oh, Lois Smith. Fabulous. God bless her. Yes. She's great. And you know, having, did you go to Catholic school? I did not. Okay. I am Catholic, but yeah. I didn't go to Catholic yeah. school. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I, I identified with like, there are those nuns who just like are human beings and like you, that you appreciate. There's those, there's those Catholic school teachers that are not just like slamming the ruler down on the desk. And I, yes, I was grateful. And it's funny. There's so many parallels. I was so grateful for Lois Smith's character in the same way. I was grateful for Diane in I, Tanya. like, Oh thank yeah, God, there's exactly. a benevolent energy here who sees, yes, you, you know, yes, 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 yes. Um, and then obviously, yeah, and I, Tanya, I think Julia Nicholson is great. I think, I mean, as much as I hated them, I, I thought Sebastian Stan was great. And, uh, mm-hmm. was it Paul Walter Richard Hauser? Jewell, we'll call him. Richard yeah. Jewell. <laughs> I, I mean, I hated him, but it was a great performance. Oh, um, he's so funny. Yeah. He's so funny. Yeah. And I love Bobby so Cannavale. I mean, he's just. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think he's. I'll take him any day. Yeah. He's someone, it's kind of like the male version of like a Diane Weist or a. Mary Kay Place or an Allison Janney. I'm like, oh, he's in it? Oh, okay, yeah, perfect, yeah. great. I love Bobby Cannavale. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's a, t- yeah, it's a tough choice. It's like, I, I'm sure there'd be, it's such an interesting, like, party question. Like, just mm-hmm. everyone sitting around with a cocktail or just, like, discussing with a group of gays. Right. I'd really love, that's, like, my ultimate, like, roundtable discussion with, yeah. like, Lady Watch and like other people too. It's just like chime in. Are you a Ladybird uh. gay or an Itanya gay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or are you one of those Shape of Water gays? Get I out. know. Get out. Get out. Guys, I die every time you guys say that on Squirrel Friends. Is that, <laughs> is that from something or are you just a developer? It's it? kind of evolved. Like it was like this sort of like Miranda Sings sort of like get out yeah. sort of idea, but now it's just get out. Get out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We have our own language over there. Yeah. It's great, though. It's great. I, I love that. <laughs> um, uh, well, I this was I I love this. I love just kind of examining these two best supporting mom mm. movies. Yeah, I, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. So uh, we're just going to go into our final segment of the episode, of course, which uh, we do every week, which is the BSA of the week, uh, which of course is a performance or a food or a person or a thing or a song <laughs> or anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress in our lives. Yeah. Um, so what do you got? Uh, I only have one nominee, and, and it's more of like a situation rather than, uh, you know, person, place, or thing, or food. But uh, it's uh, it takes place in the form of, of a review for the Best Supporting Podcast uh, oh. by a one Miss Jody. Yes, that was <laughs> once my BSA of the week, and then it changed. I know, it's so perfect. So Jody, who is also... Um, 
you know, best gal pals with Amanda Kaczynski. They have the, re- uh, she has the reality TV podcast. They also have the total request podcast. They, I think at this point combined, they have like 10 podcasts each, Yeah. but she, um, she wanted to give us a review on iTunes and she gave us a five-star review. It's called all the stars, but the only word that was left was Colin at first. Loved it. And it's great. So I let, I, you know, I razzed her a little bit and I said, of course, I guess you, you know, like I see who you prefer. Uh, or who's the real star, the best supporting pod, and she felt terrible. But there is a full review that just will not come through for some reason. She showed it to us mm-hmm. through text, um, and now she changed it. She put me first, so all the review says now is Nick, and justice is restored, and I feel great. <laughs> yes. So uh, you so lost we each my got our moment for a yeah. couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah I had exactly. My, I had my moment. I, I felt. I feel like Tanya Harding. I had my moment, and then yes, I and got it was taken away. Now I'm Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. Yes, um, but. But my best supporting actress of the week was a kind of surprise. There is a TV show called Baked in Vermont that is on, I think now it's on the cooking or the food network, but I feel like it was on the cooking channel, not to be confused with. Um, But it is Sandra Bullock's sister, and her name is Gazina Prado, P-R-A-D-O, I believe. Um, And her name is G-E-S-I-N-E. It's very like Greek, I feel. Mm. Um, But she is a delight. Keon and I loved the first season of it, but we couldn't find the second season forever because we don't have cable, but his brother gave us his YouTube TV password. And uh, we discovered that it was available two nights ago and it is just so great. She is so charming. She has like that Sandy Bullock energy, but she's different in her own way. Her house is beautiful. I love anything in New England. I'm a sucker for all that stuff. So it's been really nice, and I love her. And uh, go watch Baked in Vermont, everyone, because it's it's great. All right, um, and it's all baking stuff. It's pretty much all desserts with some savory things sprinkled in every once in a while too. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like like pot infused, you know, brownies. But <laughs> it I mean, does. Yeah. yeah, honestly, it's a great name for yeah. There's. I was thinking there's a like isn't like the term just baked goods is the name of a perfect like bakery that sells like pot brownies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh or yeah, pot cookies, baked goods. Oh, I it's love so that on the nose, but so perfect. Right. Anyway. Um. Well, if that doesn't exist, get get on it. <laughs> get on it. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, there's so many I could pick from, but honestly, I was thinking about this before we started the episode. I am going to give it to Tracy Letts because I think he's a phenomenal actor. He's a great writer, obviously, as well. August Osage County. Um, you know, he's more so on stage than in movies, but he is, uh, I think he brings this certain quality to, you know, especially, you know, to this role of Larry that is just he can the way he says that line of like let's go get a big bag of doritos and celebrate your wait list that tells me everything i need to know about that father you know Mm -hmm. um i think i just think tracy letts is is a genius and um i want to see more of him so i just want to give him a moment of recognition yeah do you know he played george in um who's afraid of virginia wolf and he won a tony for that yes i think i saw that production that's one with amy morton as martha yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think i yeah. did see that and yeah he was phenomenal i mean and he gives a beautiful acceptance speech he like almost breaks down he's incredible Ooh, i love him i'll go check yeah that it's out. a good it's a good watch so okay. check that out all yeah. right well i will and uh of course now we're being played off so i guess of i'll course. go check out his acceptance speech while ours is being played off Ooh, perfect um that's the best transition i got at this point yeah so uh where can folks find more of you 
They can find me on the No Good, Very Bad Gay podcast, also Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour, whoa, Cocktail Hour podcast with Amanda Kaczynski. We're ending our All-Stars 5 run. We might be back, who mm-hmm. knows? But it's been a lovely season. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kochanov. How about you, Colin? Well, you can find more of me on All Right Mary, talking about Drag Race. Uh, and I think we, um, we're going to finish up Canada's Drag Race after All-Stars 5. And then I think we may do season 8. So, Ooh, yeah, fun. yeah. Uh, and then you can find me on In the Details, a celebration of nuance. And you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker or Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And of course, you can find both of us in a best supporting capacity on Twitter at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Well, a big thank you to all of our, our you know, our moms, our best supporting moms. Uh, best uh, supporting moms. Best supporting moms out there and in the movies. Uh, so congratulations and thank you to Lori Metcalf, Allison Janney. Uh, some else. fine support from Tracy Letts, Beanie Feldstein, yes. uh, Lois Beanie. Smith, Julianne Nicholson, Sebastian Stan's Lucas Hedges, mustache, Lucas Timothy Hedges, Chalamet. Oh, oh Timothée, yeah, <laughs> Timothée <And>, Chalamet, <laughs> and um, and Call Me by Your Name is an awful movie, and <laughs> that, as they say, <laughs> is that <laughs> throws a peach at the wall. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> <It's> no peach. <laughs>